Hello and welcome to the Bliss Tonic Podcast. You are here in the right place. If you want to learn how to use yogic philosophy to embrace and enjoy your time as a human on planet Earth with less judgment and more authenticity. You just get to be who you are. And I am your host, Michelle Anthony, yoga educator and amateur circus performer. Let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Blistonic Podcast. I have to say that I am so excited for this episode and for all of you to hear it. It's one that really unfolded magically and it just went so intuitively and um just felt like a really amazing conversation that I got so much out of while we were recording. So today I am meeting with Avin Banish and uh, it was so powerful and I got the opportunity to attend a part of her workshop this weekend Um, and it just is so amazing that you know just to see her journey and that we are on a parallel path in a way in regards to the study of Tantra. So I will introduce her in the actual episode, but Avin is somebody that I met through initially yoga and she does sound healing as well as yoga and intuitive guidance. I know she does mentorships um, with all kinds of people, but does focus on yoga teachers and it is so amazing to be in her presence and to get to hear a little bit of her story of awakening. Um, And I think that you're really going to find this episode very interesting in that, you know, I will ask her a question and she'll just have the perfect answer. Um, I love how she talked about when I asked her about overcoming doubt that she started with doubt isn't always a bad thing and that was something that I really needed to hear I believe and something that was um, just one of the many um, helpful tidbits that I picked up on in our conversation which actually continued after we stopped recording and she gave me a lot of really great advice and um, in the end of the episode I did ask her to share So initially when we first (laughs) came in contact with one another, she was like, are you expecting? (laughs) It's like, um, no. Um, So that was just uh, something that I was like, all right, why not? I'm going to share it with all of you. Um, And I am not. I just want to clarify that. Um, (laughs) I may or may not have gone to Walgreens immediately after our um, (laughs) 
recording and was like, I'm just going to verify. Um, so no, I am not pregnant. Um, but, uh, yeah. So last time she did predict that, um, there was a baby for me. So there is that. Um, but I am not planning on having another baby in this lifetime. So sorry, Myrtle. <laughs> so, Anyways, before we dive into this episode, I just want all of us to get into the right mind state and to take a deep breath in through the nose, really cleanse it slowly out the mouth, another breath in through the nose, and out through the mouth. And I know that you're going to love all of this juicy goodness that Aveen has in store for us. And I cannot wait for you to listen to it. So let's get right into it. Welcome to another episode of the Bliss Tonic Podcast. I have with me a very special guest, Aveen Banish, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so um, I uh, met Aveen a long time ago, I feel like on our paths through yoga and our paths have kind of interwoven and connected um, over the years in a different way. And I love following your journey and I'm just always inspired by the gifts that you bring to people in a completely deep way. So welcome, Avian. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Yeah. So we are lucky enough to get Avian in person today as she's in town in Eau Claire offering a workshop and in weekend intensive, um, the alchemy of yoga. So I'm hoping to take that this weekend as well. So, Avian, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, what you're currently doing, and then we'll get into a little bit about how you got where you are, your spiritual journey of awakening. That sounds great. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Um, it's really nice to be back in Eau Claire. So we lived here for 10 years, and we moved to Colorado um, a little over two years now. And so um, I live in the Springs, and I practice different things there. When someone says, like, what do you do? I never know what to lead with because I'm a mom of four kids, and that seems to be my biggest job. But um, I am a yoga teacher, and I'm a sound healer and a Reiki master, and then I'm also um, a part-time practicing ophthalmologist. So I wear a lot of different hats. Um, and what I have tried to do is kind of start to recognize that um, earlier in my journey or when I was younger – everything was kind of in a separate box. Um, and I found that to be super depleting energetically. Like I'd take off one hat to put on another one. Um, so these days I'm really working uh, to kind of have no uh, little divides and just sort of practice yoga, whatever I'm doing. And it's been really energizing for me. That's so amazing. I love that. And I I love that you said that because I feel that in a lot of ways as well, where it's like, well, what do I do? Right. And I really, I mean, maybe it's not widely understood, but I feel like, oh, everything is yoga. Everything I do can fit under this umbrella of yoga, of being curious and um, just getting to know myself more through life experiences. Exactly. Yeah. Be a polymath yogi. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I definitely have found this, a similar sense of healing, just embodying like this, these are all the parts of me and it doesn't feel as good when I try to like only be a yoga teacher and hide these other elements that I'm doing and then only be a performer and then not bring the yoga into it. And so it's been really healing to kind of weave that all together into just, this is who I am. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a more holistic and authentic approach, I think. Yeah. And I definitely forgot to, to, when I introduced you say like, oh, what title would I give her when I introduced her? And spiritual mentor really is the thing that pops up. And you didn't really say it when you were saying all, I didn't wear all of these hats, but I would say like in being an intuitive is one of your gifts. Yeah, I think everyone has the ability to be intuitive. So it's kind of like vision, like I work with the eyes. Um, And I really do feel like um, intuition, I mean, the yogis knew a lot about this, a lot of ancient traditions did. And so I I feel that um, just as a society, we're a little bit disconnected from that. We tend to think that that's something special when actually I think that's just who we are. Yes. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about your path to um, remembering your yeah. abilities and intuition and, and refining your senses. Yeah. So, um, my youngest just turned 11. So he was born premature, um, and pretty traumatically and, um, spent a lot of time in the NICU. And, and it was a time in my life where I always talk about plates in the air. So I, um, married to a wonderful man who's also a surgeon. And up until that point, I really felt like I was in control ridiculously, I felt like, you know, I could do things. I could, I could keep the plates spinning. And after James was born, um, it was just a really challenging moment in my life because, um, I understood that I wasn't in control and that, um, messed with me for a while in the best way possible, (laughs) I like to say. And when he was about a year old, I had, um, I guess what I would call a spiritual awakening. I started to the very night that it happened, um, we were uh, sitting with our dear friends who lived next door with us at the time, having just great conversation. And it was like a deep conversation. And I remember um, asking myself the question, like, what if it's all true? And I met, we were talking about angels, and we were talking about a lot of different spiritual things. And I allowed myself in a moment to kind of take my blinders off. I didn't have any answers. I didn't, but it was like, I think a lot of us... Um, it takes a lot of life force energy to, to not see the wonder that's around us. Um, and so it was in that moment of asking that question that kind of everything opened up for me. We were walking home that night, and I saw this beautiful white wolf bounding towards me. It was kind of glowing. <laughs> and I was an ophthalmologist at the time, so th- there was a period where I was really wrestling with, was I going crazy? Um, I actually sat down at the computer that night and Googled, like visual hallucinations as a presenting sign of psychosis because I was seeing patients with brain tumors and that sometimes happened. Um, but in my heart, I kind of knew that um, that it was true. And when I say what was true, that, that there is, um, that especially with our vision, there's a very narrow bandwidth of what we can see, but that's not all there is. And so um, it really opened me to the magic uh, and the fullness that's around us um, in a really beautiful way. And it expanded my heart as well because everything was, um, 
Like everything is created with vibration and light and it's so beautiful and we, we think we're separate and we're not. And so that was like the main take home from, I went through a period of about eight months where I would like sit down and just fall into meditation and I did not meditate. I was not seeking at that time. Um, but I would just fall into these states of oneness and it was so beautiful. It sounds maybe a little corny, but it's, I think it's the fundamental reality. Um, and this idea that we're separate or that you're different from me so that I can't love you, (laughs) um, is just not truth. And so there's like, there's a before that time in my life and an after. And so Um, Since that time, well, when it started, I really started seeking. I wouldn't have called myself a seeker before that time, but I started reading. I started with the Christian mystics because I was raised Catholic, and that was familiar language to me. And I found a lot of, um, I read this book called The Cloud of Unknowing. I think that was the first book. That's like a, that is a book from maybe the 14th century that nobody knows who wrote it, but it's like a mystic's account. So there's a lot of similarities in mystics throughout tradition, (laughs) Um, so I started there and then I found yoga. I I was kind of seeking language to explain what had happened to me and, and to find other paths, um, that had a common similarity. And what you really realize is you pull on one thread and they're, they're all connected. So, um, so I studied yoga. I became a yoga instructor and I studied Reiki, um, the universal life force healing energy and, um, I just studied anything I could put, I could find my, I could find. Um, and, and the other thing is that in the beginning, I would say for those who are on a spiritual journey, in the beginning, I really um, struggled with, and so I think that's why I led with this idea of wholeness, or there was like that part of me, and then there was the scientist part. I was a physician, and so kind of those, there was like a, there was a brick wall between those two things, and it that really didn't serve me in any way. It actually created suffering for me. Um, but for a long time, I didn't know how to blend or merge those two things. So I would say a lot of people are having these experiences. Like we think that we're – what's really unusual is that we have these experiences of oneness, and then we think we're alone. <laughs> it's like I think so many people are having – and the experiences can look so different, and they can be – a moment um, in a yoga class or like looking at a sunrise or it can be more dramatic, but you're not alone in these experiences. What, what we're, we're just living in a society where we're conditioned to not talk about it. Yeah. And I feel like too, uh, and this is just personally, like when I have those experiences of like, uh, you can say we're all one, but when you're like, no, I love everyone and you just are overcome with the experience of it. And then you have like go back to your regular world and maybe the integration process isn't as um, cohesive Mm -hmm. as it could be. And then doubt creeps in. And as you know, that is one of the hindrances on the path of yoga is doubt. And I was just thinking about this this week of like, okay, I remember my first spiritual awakening and I look back at it now and I'm like, did that stuff happen to me? Like, did I, what was I, was I going crazy? Like, what was, what was that all about? Is that real? I don't have those experiences anymore, but I don't need those fear-based experiences of like stepping into my power and all of that. So I definitely noticed this sense of like doubt and it takes away some of the power of those experiences. 
So what do you have to say about like overcoming doubt and the integration process? Because it seems like you went full on, you know, in and you haven't looked back. Oh, I've made so many mistakes. Okay. <laughs> That's super great um, to hear. Yeah. So, so when I said I became a seeker, like I became a seeker. Yeah. I started doing um, <clears throat> a lot of meditative practices. Um, I found a teacher. I was, I was meditating hours a day. Um, and I think a lot of times um, when we're quote unquote spiritual, we, um, I know, well, I shouldn't speak for other people. I know for me, um, it was like I lost embodiment for a while. And I valued spiritual stuff. I valued meditative experiences and this expansion into this feeling of oneness um, more than we would say the mundane. And um, that is a recipe, especially because I chose to become, I chose to embody in this life as a householder. I have four children, I'm married. Um, I have a very busy, active life, and I love my life. And so for a while, um, and in a lot of spiritual tradition, um, a lot of the practices were, were for ascetics, so people who are going to go off, like be sadhus in the woods or go into the, into the caves. And um, that is just not who I was. And so, so there was a time where I felt off balance with that. And so um, I pulled back from that, and I... Um, I really now work to, A, do practices that are more for the householder. So when I say householder, I just mean someone uh, like you and I who are in the world. And so we need practices that help um, connect us to our you know, spiritual or higher self. Um, really, we're always connected, but help us remember. Um, but we also need practices to integrate and embody. And I think especially when we're kind of newer on this path. We do. We want the highs, right? And, and um, the longer I go, the more I really appreciate the integrated whole. So I um, – and, and once we start to go there, it's like every great um, hero's journey, right? You come back to where you started, and you realize, like, it sounds so cheesy, but, like, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, like, we had it all along, yeah. right? And so – and that went, that's a really sweet place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And just like bringing that to just yoga philosophy is if your yoga practice isn't making you a better embodied human, mm -hmm. then is it really working for you? Right. And that what may have worked for you five years ago, right? So it's the, it's the how, it's the why rather than the what. Yeah. Like your practice, like what you're doing is less important than why you're doing it. And we need to have some flexibility and flow. And, you know, it, if you're a new mom, if you have a toddler, your yoga practice is going to look really different perhaps than it did five years ago. And that living, like, as a whole being is, is responding to that. Absolutely. And it's definitely something that I personally have been working on with this, like, intense practice I had leading up to baby and it was just like so it was so amazing it was so deeply steeped in it um felt really great and then the baby comes and I'm like okay I am going to take a breath before I look at my phone I'm going to um have gratitude when I walk when I crawl into bed and just like 
feel that love grow a little bit. And it does, like, I do notice a little sense of, like, suffering in the context of, like, guilt or, like, I should be back in my meditation practice in a more deeply steeped way like I was when really it's it's the progression and the changing of the practice with what's showing up in life. Yeah, and my um, yoga teacher, Jessica Patterson, loves this quote, and I cannot remember who it's attributed to, but it's basically yoga is the practice of missing nothing. And so if you have a toddler and there's no better way to be in the present moment, you know, and to, but we, we judge and we, there's a hierarchy to what we think is, you know, that we should be sitting in meditation for an hour, or we need to do a 60 minute practice on our mat. And that's, um, that's pretty harsh towards ourselves when we maybe are not getting sleep and, so, um, so yeah, I would say that you're in an, ad, you're like in an advanced course of yoga at the moment. <laughs> correct. Yes. Yes. Correct. I would say that in a lot of ways I'm like putting myself in this like karmic fire. And so there's like the, in, in Tantra, it's V yoga and Sam yoga, the V, the separate, like go to the cave, go to the woods, go to your meditation practice in a deep way. And remember that you are more than just this body and just your habits and the things that you do in the mundane. And then Sam yoga is to like bring it to the world. And how do you integrate? It's almost like a, how, how well is this practice going to serve you when you're just living your daily life and not when you're separate from the things going on. So I really love that quote of missing nothing. And that feels really good. to. Well, and I think um, we can't really speak about yoga or spiritual practice without the idea of service. I think it's really imbalanced without it. And so I think there's also um, sometimes we can get really self-involved when we're on our journey. You know what I mean? Um, when really, if we if we don't offer back, um, if we just consume, whether it's practice or study of sacred texts, and we don't offer in service, there's a stagnancy that happens. And so it is really important to, like right now, you're in service to your to your son, mm-hmm. and that's pretty sacred. Yeah, for sure. I completely understand that. I have been totally caught in that loop of just you know me and my practice Mm -hmm. and you know it does it it for sure no effort is wasted on this path but and it does show up into the in other ways but it's something too that I am remembering in my current practice right now is I surrender to what is you know being asked of me to be of the highest service to myself and in all beings as as we're connected and that's something that has just been really like changing my energy in a way of just remembering that and you know just on that note too is to not sink into self-judgment when you notice that that's where you are because it 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 isn't a cycle in a lot of ways absolutely yeah yeah I think and it when we can be of service and, and that sounds really lofty but it can be you know it is really practical it's um there's a spaciousness that's created within us so that we can open to to more of, of the universe moving through us. Whereas if we, um, you know, there have, all, there have also been times in my life where I felt really blocked or closed or um, compressed is how I feel it energetically. And um, I always laugh, my dad was a yogi 
uh, and he didn't know it because he's really, I mean, he does not practice yoga, but I remember in high school, I was having some, um, I don't know, some drama over a boy, and I was kind of woe was meing, and his advice to me was um, get outside of myself, and it's not, in, you know, go do something for someone else, and at the time, of course, as like a 17-year-old, I was so ticked, but that's, that's, that's advice that I hold to this day because that's really the way, like if you find you're cycling and you can't, you know, you're, you're exploring your spirituality, whatever that means to you, um, and you're not getting anywhere, quote unquote, go out and, and be of service in some way for someone else and, and the way will open. Yes, that's such good advice. Oh, I love it. And I love how you described it as spaciousness, as like I said, this is something that I like very recently am remembering and getting back into the cycle of again. Mm -hmm. And that's what it feels like is I have this spaciousness and with that sense of surrender as well of like whatever is being asked of me, it has helped me look at things that have like, okay, why did this thing happen? That was obviously, this is not what I want, you know, this, this this outcome was not what I wanted. And how is that a message for me? How can I bring that back inwards and say, okay, maybe I'm being redirected. Maybe I'm being shown what I don't want. Who knows, you know, but just to pay attention to that and honor the emotional state of like disappointment, but then come back into that broader space of, of service. And like, well, if this is, isn't where I'm meant to be, then I'll be guided to where I am. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes when I say service, it's even um, being able, especially in the world that we're living in right now, which is so reactive, right? I mean, news drops and things change. and But I, I feel like if you can be a coherent human being, if you can, um, even if you're aware, like you said, of your disappointment, that creates uh, the spaciousness that's required so you can respond to someone or something or some situation rather than react without thinking or judging. Mm. And so you can, I mean, being of service is yes, you know, making your kids breakfast and, and doing other good acts in the world, but it's also just working for your own coherence so that you can hold your center as, as life around seems to maybe not be. <laughs> yes. Yes. And even, you know, and, and on that point and when we're working on that, contemplating it in our lives, our reactions, uh, we will sometimes and oftentimes still have the reactions, but then we'll like retract the energy behind the reaction in faster and faster right. ways. Like the, just this morning, my baby, and I was like, okay, this is the last pouch of food. And then we're going to go to daycare and it's beets. And it's just like, okay, you're dressed for the day. <laughs> and he starts, you know, shaking his pouch. And I'm just like, mm -mm, mm -mm. and he's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then he does it one more time and it just goes everywhere. I'm just like, no. And then it's like, okay, it's okay. Like, I actually have a secondary shirt. We're going to be fine. Like, you know, but it was just like a, God, that's what I was trying to tell you not to do. But he's a toddler. He doesn't understand. And right. then just like a moment of like, no, no. You could see his face too of just like, what do you mean? You know, that was fun. Like, <laughs> he's your teacher. Oh, so, so much. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any advice for dispelling doubt specifically? Like, 
a lot of people that I know that listen to this podcast have had experiences um, and then, you know, contemplate those experiences and doubt whether, you know, the validity or just have a, a lack of confidence in, you know, the reality or the truth. Yeah, so um, what would I say to that? I think sometimes doubt can serve us. Mm. Um, I think not all the time, but um, sometimes doubt is pointing towards something that's unresolved. The way I like to think of the energetic body is that we just have kind of knots or or areas where we're sort of um, not yet unraveled or spacious. And so um, I think it's okay to have doubt. I think it's when we push doubt down sometimes that it actually gains more power. It's like just bring it into the lights, really look at what's going on. Um, oftentimes too, I know for me, when, it, when I first started having experiences, um, again, it goes back to that feeling like there were partitions in my life. And so, um, you know, science is showing us that there are so many realities. There are so many that you and I are multidimensional beings that we may be having a conversation in this dimension and higher dimensions. And so, um, so anything is possible. Um, I think when we feel like we, I know in my experience, when I felt like I needed to defend somehow my experience, and I don't know who I was defending it against, my own ego, I think, um, that created uh, suffering. And when I say suffering, it, it shows up for different for different people. But um, so I just think it may point to an area that that um, is ready. And and right, I, I think it's that there's a Tibetan Tibetan monks like revel when some when doubt or when something rises because it means oh it's coming to the surface and now I can work with it. So it's not something to run from. I think it's if we if we give ourselves enough embodied stillness, because I think that is required at times, um, to just kind of look from all directions and see, kind of see what we can witness and then bring a sense of compassion to it. I, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I think that, um, I think it's natural. I think sometimes it can be helpful. Um, and I would say to continue your practice. Mm. That's always the answer, isn't it? It is, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> because, right, it, yeah. because this, this too shall pass or change. So, you know, give it another six months and it won't be doubt. It will be frustration. or So, so these are all just, we're, we are on this great wild adventure. And if it were always the same, it would get super boring. That's not what we signed up for. And so, um, yeah, do you want to... Doubt, can you just speak maybe to, to what type of doubt specifically you're doubting yourself? Yeah, it's so it's really interesting. I 
to book oracle and right before this i was like okay and i was the into the yoga sutras the secret of the sutras and it i opened up to a passage and it was specifically about talking about the obstacles of yoga and how that shows up via shakiness um and shakiness of limbs and how that is represented as a lack of confidence and it is lacking lack of confidence in ourselves in our teachers in our mentors in the process in our own ability to perceive reality and that really that's kind of what I feel when I contemplate like doubt in my experiences it's really not trusting myself and not trusting that what I perceived in the past was something that actually happened that's more you know what I mean when we have those like awakening experiences that are energetic in nature and then we're not in that energy anymore the the part of you that can perceive in this moment is still in that energy. You just can't perceive it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, yeah. So, so that kind of that kind of doubt is sort of. Um, I've been there. So, so when I said before, I think there was a time where I was sort of chasing experience, you know, because you have those experiences of oneness are so powerful and beautiful. And I haven't forgotten, so I don't doubt that experience, but there was a time when I was motivated to almost stay there. Um, and then, you know, those are always, those experiences are always a gift of grace. And so you can't, I mean, I wasn't seeking, there wasn't anything. It's kind of ironic because it sort of happened spontaneously to me. And then I thought, oh, well, if I do enough different practices, it'll happen again. And sometimes glimmers of it did, but but really I feel that that those are these beautiful glimpses to just help us remember to fully embody here and, and live the life that we're meant to live here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more fully we embody and engage with our friends and our family and our community and the natural world, um, you know, we're being embodied, I feel, is a real gift. I think we wanted to be here. Um, and we forget that part too. And so if you have, if you're spiritually, or sorry, if you're energetically sensitive, sometimes it can feel kind of overwhelming here, um, a little bit harsh sometimes. But I think that we're supposed to dive into the full catastrophe of it. And and that's really the way to, to become whole with it. Because like if you were, if you were, you know, flipping into samadhi all the time when you had a toddler, it wouldn't be super helpful. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, that just shows up as like lately just immense gratitude of like, I wake up and I'm like, I get to be your mom, mm-hmm. you know, and I like him tearing up saying that like, it's like, oh, I get to be your mom today. Like, yeah. how did I get so lucky? Yeah. So. <laughs> and hugs and yeah. Yes. I mean, what's better than that? Right. So we, but I yeah. do think that there is this, um, there is this idea, and it's whether it's, I don't know where it comes from, religion or, but that spiritual is better than embodied, right? I mean, that's, and so we may say, oh, that's, I don't feel that way, but we may have some programming that says otherwise. And so I think right now that's my path is to, is to, um, Blend both and not place one above the other. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And that's all about what I'm 
hoping to spread and share with this whole podcast is like, these are all the human experiences. Here's a different way that we can look at them in order to integrate the soul into integrate our higher self, integrate who we really are and who we are right now in this lifetime with all of the coverings. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to, um, so uh, this is common. There have been books upon books written on this subject of, well, I'm not intuitive. I'm not psychic and, and how to, you know, so what would be your advice to somebody who is wanting these experiences that we're talking about where we remember, oh, I'm more than just the mundane and then integrating, what would you say? How, how could they do that? How could they start that path or refine it? Um, well, again, I think certain experiences are just gifts, but I do think that we can create um, the circumstances to help set our, ourselves up. We're ha- I mean, miracles are happening all the time, right? It's just are we, um, are we aware enough of them? And so I think the, the first, the advice probably isn't going to be super sexy, but it's first to, to slow down. Um, I don't think that we can begin anything new until we pause. And so, and, and that doesn't have to look like a 45-minute meditation practice, but it has to be a time where you're not scrolling on your phone, you're not doing 10 things at the same time. Um, and so that in and of itself is the practice. And whether that's yoga for you, whether that's, you know, working out, or you can do things to prepare for it, um, but I do think it requires stillness of some kind um, and, and then an embodiment. So I think a lot of us are um, not super embodied. We're living from the neck up and we're externalizing onto screens. And so I think being in the natural world, slowing down, um, Gratitude, like you said, like when you teared up, like that's a way to open yourself up and shift your energy almost instantly. Um, Getting in that kind of a practice. I do think community, so I don't think we're meant to do this alone. I think relationship, whether it's with our children or a friend or a loved one or a pet, um, can also just kind of start to put us in that place. And then I would say, like intuition, why? You know, like there's a lot of seeking um, or trying to be psychic um and i i would just like your practice with yoga the why i think the why is super important like what are you trying to find answers to because intuition can i mean it's so broad and it's just such a natural part of who we are um that we can also outsource our intuition and so getting really um centered in yourself we we live in in a culture where a lot of a lot of our energy is kind of towards the periphery. We're looking for external validation or we're looking for external advice when really like we're a universe unto ourselves. And so centering yourself, um, creating a pause in your day to listen to your, just to listen to the mind chatter to begin. And then to the, in my experience, the intu- the intuition comes as a whisper. It's not going to knock you over the head right away. And um, at first, you're not going to believe it. And so maybe just, you know, have a journal and just 
write down impressions and and um, take a little bit of time and set the intention to be open to your own advice, to your own heart. I love that. And I, I think the journaling component is is really big in the in overcoming doubt as well on that path is that helps us remember all of the people we've been along the way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And doing something like um, morning pages or soul journaling where you just literally put your, um, sometimes we do this in retreats, um, you know, you set your timer for five or 10 minutes and you put your pen to paper and you just don't pick it up and you don't care what you're writing. It's like just Blah. like you're getting it all out and you don't read it right away either you read it the next day and sometimes you you start to say like wow where did that come from and that's intuition yeah sometimes sometimes it's just you know your laundry list or whatever but um that that can be a way because we're really just trying to remember and connect to ourselves it's not like we have to go outside of ourselves we just we're pretty stimulated. Yeah. And I feel like too, when I've done, um, free writing and then all of a sudden, you know, like the changes and I'm like, okay, that's not, my mind had an idea of what word was coming next. And then it was like, that's not what was showed up, you know? Um, but then I feel like, and this is a theme as well with seekers, um, who are seeking also the external validation, which I feel like we all are in some way is, yes, is this, um, contrast of like diving into those messages and like a grain of salt you know what I mean like okay Mm -hmm. so this crazy message came through what does it all mean you know versus like oh very interesting like I don't know what it means you know um does that make sense yep and being okay to stay in the liminal space so the liminal space for me is is sort of the space of not knowing it's it's the space between it's the space before and after and it's a super rich space for creativity, for compassion, for all of these beautiful emotions that can emerge. Um, also for shadow work, you know, to see what's really going on. And so, um, yeah, I would say to begin with, like, approaching intuition from that sense of wholeness and knowing that um, that your soul or your higher self or however you want to put it wants to connect with your mind, right? And so... So if you just if you just hold that, then it then it will come, and it may it may come in totally different. Like your messages may be so out there, a song on the radio, um, you know, your friend says someone that you're in relationship with kind of says something right at the right moment, or um, but but you'll receive the guidance that you need. We're we're so guided all the time. We're never not guided. Yeah, we can feel that we can feel lost. We can feel blocked, but. Um, we're never not guided. Yeah. A lot of these messages are very synchronistic for me <laughs> right now. I'm reading um, Audible audiobook, Super Attractor by Gabby Bernstein. Oh, I haven't read that one yet. Oh, my gosh. I've, a lot of the things you're saying are 
very much in alignment and repeating things that I've recently listened to. Um, I love from when the, that happens. I know. I'm just like, all right, these are these are definitely messages, and I love. And this happens a lot when I'm listening to like podcasts or audiobooks, and then I'll like pause and be contemplating an issue, and then like hit play, and it's like, well, how did you know that? <laughs> I had to wait to listen to that until this moment when this experience was happening, and I'm like, right. Ugh. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the key for me is that we all have different wounds, you know, and I think we come here to work them out or heal them or whatever. Um, And I think worthiness is a big wound for many people. Mm. And, And when we have that wound, if we don't feel that we're worthy somehow, then even if we, you know, we receive these beautiful messages, we have these experiences and we don't always think we're worthy of them. And so um, so worthiness, and just sometimes I think remember, remembering or shining a light on the fact that maybe that is a wound, and maybe that's a universal human wound, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think that when you talk about doubt and um, you know, not listening to our, to our guidance, I think that's at the root for, for many of us. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that. And it's interesting to going, you know, to all of these maybe smaller wounds um, and then coming down to it. And a lot of them have these like really base human nature wounds, you know, that we all have different like variations of it and ways that it shows up in our life. But when you get down to it, it's oh, we all have this sense of unworthiness and it could maybe show up for me like in the context of money. We had exactly. a we had a financial psychologist on a couple weeks ago and it was like, oh, okay, okay, I realize how I'm acting. <laughs> That's ringing like, a bell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the things of her talking about working with street homelessness and how they react to when they do have money and they're like, oh, I'm going to treat everybody, you know, to this and spend and everything. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see that within myself and and definitely I think it comes down to unworthiness in a lot of ways. So I love how doing that and that would be maybe one approach to shadow work or one way to look at shadow work is looking at all these wounds and what I love about shadow work within the context of community and being in the sharing and circles is you get to just see like, oh, this is just like being human, Exactly. It's just a part of being human. Yeah, and it's, it's similar okay. to what, what we were talking about before that when, you know, when you first have experiences, you're wowed and then you're like, oh, people are going to think I'm crazy if I share this. And, and so, so, so Sangha or community, right, is so healing. And, and it's funny because Eau Claire creates very beautiful Sangha. Mm. It's fun to be back here and to, to feel that energy. It's not like that everywhere. And so to be grateful that you're here. Yeah, it's so interesting. When I first moved back in 2012, it was like kicking and screaming, like I'm not going back to my mom's basement. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like this sucks. People think they know me here and they don't. And, you know, I'm obviously not that person, but I am, but I'm not. Um, And so I definitely went through like this dark period of like, let me just shut off all the things that happened in order to just fit in in a lot of ways and yeah I I really am grateful for the community that has unfolded around me and just the support and I 
would not be able to raise a baby or a toddler alone. And I'm just so grateful for all the aunties out there who just, even just holding, talking, acknowledging, loving, yeah, anything to feel like supported is huge. Well, and I'm doing, um, I'm doing a training with Donnie Epstein, who created uh, Network Spinal Chiropractic called Alchemy this year. And he has this great saying. He talks about how, you know, that we have to become a somebody before we ultimately become a nobody. And that's a really common, like that's in a lot of traditions too. And so this idea that, you know, when you first moved back here, you were at the age two where ego, you know, you needed to create who you were, right? That's super important on our path. Um, and eventually we, we recognize, you know, one of my greatest um, spiritual experiences was this moment I had where I sort of expanded and saw, um, I couldn't really recognize myself as a light, although I think I was, but just as far as I could see was this sort of ocean of stars that were all connected. And I just somehow knew it was you and other people I loved and humanity, really. Um, and so that we're all part of this ocean. And so when we say like everything is one, it truly is. But we're playing this game. We've cloaked ourselves to come and have an experience and contract into an individual form. And it's like the game is to remember. And we get these glimpses. Um, and then we forget. And then we glimpse again. And, um, but we wanted to play this game. And in the end, even those glimpses have to be released yep. into, in, back into the ocean. Yep. Ah, I love it. So before we started recording, you shared a little message with me. <laughs> that I was like, okay, I don't know. Um, but would you mind sharing that again or whatever is coming through? Yeah. Do you want me to share that message? I don't mind. Yeah. Well, no, I or whatever, yeah, whatever you feel like. Yeah, no. When I was kind of just preparing for this, I um, you have a really beautiful young female energy in your field, and um, yeah, I don't know how much you want me to say about this on your podcast, but you can be. I'm I'm open, so whatever. Yeah, so you want, I yeah. so I asked if you were planning to have a little sibling for your child. <laughs> off camera I would like to say yes yes yeah um Mm -hmm. and either way it's just a really she's a really beautiful bright energy kind of like you very sparkly Mm -hmm. so and those of you may not know (laughs) some of you do but yeah two years ago pretty much two and a half years ago I had a session with Avian when I was traveling in Florida and just like Felt like, oh, I just need to remember, I need this guidance right now. And you had a lot of really beautiful um, things to say to me that actually sparked the direction of my life. The first one was, you know, just stuff with like, oh, father energy. And like, you've done this dance many lifetimes. And it really, it sparked a big part of my life that, you know, led me to create an online program about judgment. And just embracing people where they are, not needing them to change to to meet you. 
Um, and that was a, a moment that I got a lot of like podcasts that was like, when you're judging somebody, you're judging yourself. You know, it was just like, <laughs> uh huh, okay. And then a song came on that was just like the same thing. It's like, I hear you. Um, I'm working on it. Um, and then you also were like, oh, there's a baby for you. Like, oh, man, okay, well, only if I can go to India and <laughs> be financially secure and this list of 10 million things, and then I'll have you? a baby. Nothing <laughs> happened. The energy was fine. I'll do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Well, and it's so fun because we haven't really, you know, I don't live here, and so we yeah. haven't spoken much, I but know. just to watch you um, even – like through Facebook, you are like such a beautiful mother. Mm-hmm. And I think that you, the joy that you bring to it and the, um, just the authenticity I think has helped so many people. Mm. So keep shining for sure. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> that means a lot. When, and he yeah. is so gorgeous and just beautiful. And he definitely picked his name. No, like it yeah, started as a joke. <laughs> and then I was like, no, that's his name. Like, I try, I, well, I don't care. I think I wanted to name him his middle name, which is Orion, because okay. it was under, like, I was on a journey following Orion's belt down south, and it was just like a, a spiritual path. I don't know. And so I was like, Orion, because it was a part of that all, whole awakening. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so... And then it was just like joking, like, oh, Riot from the band Pussy Riot at Eau Claire <laughs> Fest that I was like... I should name him jokingly after one of the bands at Eau Claire Fest. And then I'll really be a hipster. I was like, testing out all the names. I was like, Pussy Riot, Riot. Hmm. Okay, that's, that's okay. I mean, I don't know. And then we tried out a whole bunch of other names and it just didn't fit. He's Riot. He's Riot. (laughs) Riot Orion. So so great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you so much for taking this time. And I feel like so many jewels of wisdom came through for everybody. So thank you so much much for having me, Michelle. It was really fun. Um, So before we um, log off, can you share a little bit about um, how people can connect with you, your offerings, um, via distance, the ones that maybe people don't have to be in Colorado for? Um, I'm do I'm coming back to do a retreat at the Christine Center October 23rd through the 25th the weekend, um, and that's always really fun. That's a beautiful space, um, and then I have a website. It's just avianbanish.com, and I do um, I call it transformational mentoring um, with people one on one. We can do it via Zoom, and then I teach locally in, in Colorado Springs as well. But I'm super excited to be back this weekend too. Yay, and I am looking forward to connecting with you this weekend. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Bliss Tonic Podcast. So, and a huge thank you to our guest this week, Eveen Vanish. And you can check out ways that you can work with her on her website, aveenbanish.com. That is A-V-E-E-N-B-A-N-I-C-H 
intuitivesessions.com. And I highly recommend intuitive sessions with her as well as mentorship options. I have absolutely adored all of the time I got to spend just soaking in the energy uh, of being with her. So, and I had the amazing opportunity to go to part of her workshop this weekend and I just realized our parallel paths and I'm just so grateful to be have the opportunity to have her in town and to have spent some time in her presence. It really is enlivening. A huge thank you to the editor of this podcast, Kyle Piper. Wait, that's not what I wanted to do. I don't know. The the buzz horn. Kyle, can you hook a hook a lady up with the buzz horn up in here so I can hit you with it every time I thank you? Thank you very much. Next time. <laughs> And if you enjoy this content, please share it with a friend. Give it a five-star rating or write a review that lets the world know what you think about this podcast. And feel free to share any feedback or comments if you like all of the guest episodes that I'm doing. I have some more planned for you. So if you are enjoying it, please let me know. All right. I love you and I hope you have an amazing week.